When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Kushida says goodbye to New Japan with one final match against the Ace. We'll break down that match and discuss some of your choices for the Time Splitters' best matches. The stars were bright, deep in the heart of Texas. ROH stars, that is. We talk tag wars and everything related to the three shows in Texas. A little farther west, Phoenix was the center of the WWE Universe as the Royal Rumble, TakeOver, Raw, and SmackDown were in the Valley of the Sun. We analyze all of the highlights of four great days of action, plus you weighed in on the big surprise in the Men's Rumble. That and more, next. WrestlingInc.com brings you Two-Faced Wrestling Talk, the podcast that goes beyond WWE and goes in-depth on ROH, NJPW, Impact, and more. Also featuring fun pop culture and wrestling crossovers, listener Q&As, and extended discussions about wrestling topics past, present, and future. Now, here's your host, Kelsey. Hi, and welcome to Two-Face Wrestling Talk. I'm joined, as I am every week, by my co-host, Paul. Hi, everybody. (laughs) Jeez, what was that? That's, That's my Dr. Nick Riviera from The Simpsons. Hi, everybody. It didn't sound like that at no, all. No, I know. I didn't really do it. <laughs> well, it's been a jam-packed <laughs> week of wrestling. So busy. We watch so much stuff. It's kind of crazy how we can absorb any of it. But we, <laughs> we did absorb it. We did enjoy it. And we're going to talk all about it. We don't just have Royal Rumble review to do and NXT reviews. We've got tons of stuff talking about WWE departures, AEW speculation like we've been doing every mm-hmm. week, Ring of Honor, G1 Supercard, Road 2 shows, and New Japan Road to New Beginning shows as well. Yeah, uh, a lot going on. Uh, a lot of comings and goings. A lot of reported comings and goings. Uh a big weekend of wrestling, uh, big four days of wrestling in Phoenix with not only Royal Rumble and NXT TakeOver, but Raw and SmackDown having implications after and a lot that people are talking about in those shows as well. So we're going to get to all of that. But uh, first, we want to remind you how you can find us on social media. Yep, you can check me out on Twitter at SuperKickingIt, S-U-P-E-R-K-I-C-K-I-N-G-I-T. And keep you know tuned into there because I do a lot of interactive tweets where we read your answers on this podcast i also do polls this week i did not do a poll however because instead of giving you guys the choice of which wrestling shirt i should wear i am wearing my kushida time splitter shirt in honor of him because he just had his last match in new japan pro wrestling which we will talk about in a minute but first you could also check us out on our show Twitter at Two Faced Pod, T W O F A C E D P O D. And don't forget to also check out our sponsor, St. Arnold. Yep. And a uh, reminder that in a little over two weeks, the Elimination Chamber takes place at Toyota Center in Houston, Texas. And we will be in Houston at St. Arnold Brewing at the uh, new beer garden. And uh, we will be doing a special live podcast for about an hour leading up into. The Elimination Chamber, which we know is already shaping up to be a historic event. And uh, we're going to go live. We don't have the time set yet, but it looks like it'll be 3 to 4 Central Time uh, with us arriving a little after 2. 
So the event will probably get started about 2.30. We may try and get the podcast going about 2.45 if we can, but in that ballpark. So if you're at St. Arnold by 2, you'll be there in plenty of time to see us. And uh, we're going to have all kinds of giveaways, not only from our show, but from Wrestling Inc. And we may have some St. Arnold giveaways as well. And it should we be al- a fun time. We also want to remind people to uh, set up a gambling account at uh, mybookie.ag this weekend, the Super Bowl. Uh, Raphael, our good friend who always gives us the wrestling odds, is going to give us gambling odds, uh, all sorts of prop bets. He's been sending them to us all week, just some great prop bets. So use the promo code KICKIT and get set up with uh, mybookie.ag. Yep, well, that's enough of our promotions. Let's get right into business here. And talk about Kushida. Man, he had an awesome, very heartfelt, very emotional match against Tanahashi. And it was awesome that New Japan let him have this singles one-on-one match against, you know, their top guy. Of course, this is really no spoiler, because no one expected Kushida to win on his way out. Tanahashi won, which was the right choice, because you don't want, you know, your top guy losing to somebody who's leaving the company. But I think the best part of the match and the takeaway, besides Jay White's awesome heel work at the end where he came in and beat up Tanahashi. But besides that, just the respect and love from the audience to Kushida, but also from Kushida to the audience. You could just tell his eyes were kind of teary and misty as he walked into the arena. Everyone in the whole place had a Kushida sign. They were chaining Kushida. They were holding up their sign and basically bouncing the sign up and down like, yeah, Kushida, Kushida. It was awesome. People were clapping. People were cheering. And Kushida, like, took a long breath, and he looked around. You could tell it meant a lot to him. Yep. That was my favorite part, really. Yeah. Just the love and emotion there. And laying on his back in the ring, just kind of soaking it in. And I also thought it was interesting, you know, you thought maybe there'd be a little sign of respect between he and Tanahashi, but they made a point that they, they wanted to beat each other up. And then the respect came after the match. There was no way Kushida was going to win the match. They weren't going to have their champion lose to Kushida. I thought if it happened, it'd be on a count out or something. But when Kushida hit that Back to the Future, that near fall it fooled me for a second. Yeah, yeah, for a second I was like, oh my god, maybe they will let him win, just like to pay respect to him, because he was such a big part, and we've talked about this for weeks, such a huge part not only for the junior heavyweight division, Mm -hmm. but really even before that, he was in an awesome tag team called Time Splitters, and that was with Alex Shelley. So he had some amazing tag matches with him. He's had amazing singles matches in the junior weight division. So it's kind of funny. It did fool us for a second there. I was like, well, maybe they respect him so much they'll (laughs) let him beat Tanahashi. But yeah, looking back, there's no way they would have let him do that. Well, you mentioned Jay White at the end. Uh, That was a lot of fun, too, because uh, Kevin Kelly basically lost his mind yelling, you absolute son of a B. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And then I love Jay White after he attacked Tanahashi. As he's walking out of the ring, he goes, bye-bye, Kushida. (laughs) Great heat for a great heel. So I just think everything Jay White's doing so perfectly done and great. So, yeah, it was a great farewell match for Kushida. But he's had so many other amazing, wonderful matches throughout his career in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Let's talk about some because, actually, I put out a tweet asking people what it was your favorite Kushida moment or match. Tell us why you think Kushida was a great wrestler. So, some of your answers are really, really good. Let's get right into it. At Wrestling W Nomad, his Back to the Future gimmick drew me in first, then realized how badass his wrestling was. Saw him live for Ring of Honor in New York in a singles match and as part of the Time Splitters as well, and I've been a solid fan ever since. 
at Why We Watch Pod. There are far too many matches to single one out, but one thing that really stands out for me is that NJPW had so much faith in him that when there was an issue within the junior division, he was their go-to guy to steady the ship. Good point there. Very, very true. Check out their podcast. Great guys there, and I love your point. Another good guy at Dave Pazeski says, Kushida is such an amazing wrestler. My favorite part about him is that his submissions look like they really hurt. He's not all submissions, though, because he can keep up with even the fastest wrestlers in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Can't really pick a favorite match. I really liked his stuff during the Best of the Super Junior Tournament in 2018. Well, and we'll uh, maybe give a little evidence to Dave's point here in just a moment about his uh, style. At Blue underscore Ray Mysterio, one of my sentimental favorites Kushida matches is the Davey Richards and Rocky Romero versus Kushida and Tiger Mask from Power Struggle 2011. I'm not sure why I connect to that match so much. I like that because it shows that like it's a range of matches that we're talking about here. 2018 all the way back to 2011. Such a wide variety. And to even circle back to our first comment talking about seeing Kushida live in Ring of Honor, we can't forget that Kushida was actually a big part of Ring of Honor too. He was their television champion for a while and had so many great matches with the partnership with Ring of Honor and New Japan. So that's not only a big blow losing him for New Japan, but also for Ring of Honor in a way as well. At Paul T5, nerds go. Kushida versus Hiromu at Dominion 17 was incredible and would have been matching the night on any other night. There was one spot where Kushida sat Hiromu down on a chair in the front row, then set up a chair himself at ringside, ran and launched off of it over the barrier, and dropped kick to Hiromu with enough force to knock him backwards. I still understand how. One of my favorite moves ever. I do remember that. That was a great match. That was an awesome match, and I wish I remembered it more crisply because if we had more time this week, but so much wrestling going on, we didn't have time, I would have watched like 10 Kushida matches just to have more to talk about and have all of his matches that I like the most fresh in my mind. But I do remember loving that match because Hiromu has been one of my favorites. I hope he comes back soon. Um, And him against one of the best people in the junior division going head-to-head, it was awesome. At Phantom Lord 87, the Best of Super Juniors Final 2015 versus Kyle O'Reilly. One of my favorite matches of all time and my favorite Kushida match. My hope is to see Kushida versus O'Reilly again in NXT. It would be a great way to bring Kushida in, I think, working with a familiar opponent. And that was one that got a lot of uh, popular play as one of his best matches. Lots of people love that match. And like he commented, I think that'd be a great entry match into NXT, and it could really showcase what he could do. Yeah, uh, my hope is uh, they use him a little better than uh, Itami, who is now departing 205 Live, but uh, was uh, brought in. As part of NXT, uh, went up against Tyler Breeze, I believe, in his first match, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, got hurt and never really got the push that he deserved. So I'm hoping that Kushida gets a much more positive push and a chance at a title and things like that than Atami got. I hope so, too. And I think it was just a set of unfortunate circumstances because not only was there one injury with Atami, but also another one soon after he had came came back and you know it was a very long recovery period so all of it was very unusual so that makes me think that it was just kind of like an abnormality it's not going to be the norm with how people are used from japan i mean we've seen other people succeed you know with Kyrie sane for example she's super over i think kushida could be on her level 
for the man's division, and I think he could be just as successful. Yeah, I, I have I have high hopes for Kushida. I really think they'll use him well. Hopefully, he's not just on two hundred five live though, because I think that could be a bad thing for him. Please put him in NXT. Give him some takeover, you know, play. I would love to see that. Yeah, hopefully Kushida is used more like Nakamura and Asuka and less like Itami and Tozawa. Yes. <laughs> uh, final one, and this is going to kind of bring it full circle for us to uh, something we watched as well. At Rough Company Pod says, Best of Super Juniors Finals 2017 against Will Ospreay, a match that we just watched recently as one of our favorites from Kushida. Yeah, and the reason we chose this one to rewatch is just what I remember most about it wasn't the actual sequences or specific moves in the match. I remember how Osprey was trying to repeat winning the tournament two years in a row. Mm-hmm. He had won in 2016, and it was awesome. It got a lot of play online, and that was the year that he had that awesome match against Ricochet that kind of went viral, and tons of people got turned on to New Japan Pro Wrestling because of it, and that was one of my first New Japan Pro Wrestling matches that I saw as well. And I think the cool story, like I said, Osprey trying to repeat, but Kushida also had kind of fallen out of prominence in the junior division. And I think he was trying to get some more positive momentum. And so it was kind of a story of both of these guys trying to get back to the top of the junior heavyweight division. And I really, really... I just loved that story, and it was so powerful. Lots of emotion going in the match. And the audience really was kind of torn because the whole audience at one point was chanting for Kushida, and at another point the whole audience is chanting for Osprey. So really they were behind both guys equally. Yeah, it was kind of funny. I mentioned it wasn't even two years ago, and they were kind of referring to Osprey as this young kid and you know how kind of new he was almost and so uh, how far things have come and uh, – you know, Kushida ending his uh, run in New Japan this week, but uh, that Osprey match certainly was a good one. Uh, reminder, we'll have more New Japan talk next week as some more shows, Road to New Beginning, continue. Some great matches coming up, but uh, we talked about Kushida leaving for WWE. Other news as we kind of transition into possibly AEW, we'll see, but uh, two more wrestlers leaving New Japan. Yeah, we've got the best friends, Chucky e. T and Trent Beretta, and I'm assuming it's to go to AEW. You know, they're friends with those guys. They were a part of being the elite. They made a lot of guest appearances on that show, uh, you know, every now and then. And I think that would be a natural fit for AEW. And I'm looking forward to it if they really do join the roster. I think they'd be a perfect addition to what they're trying to do. Yeah, it's funny. AEW, there's no actual wrestling going on, right? Uh, right. You know, Young Bucks aren't wrestling, but they're making appearances places and and things like that. And so they're staying relevant and staying in the news. And departures everywhere are kind of keeping their name fresh. Yeah, it really is, and there's actually been more WWE departures announced, and we're going to talk more about that later and what that could mean. Does it mean more people going to AEW? Only time will tell. But, you know, next week we're really going to go in-depth on AEW, and I put out a tweet on Twitter about, Mm -hmm. you know, what makes you excited for AEW? Who do you want to see join the roster? Why are you excited about this? And I got a lot of great answers so far. I'm going to continue retweeting similar questions about AEW. And we're going to read everyone's answers and give our answers next week when we have a little very in-depth AEW segment. So stay tuned for that. Let's switch gears to uh, Ring of Honor now. And they just wrapped up a swing through the Lone Star State. Three shows in Texas. 
And let's just talk about the vibes of the shows first. Uh, it's called Road to G1 Supercard. They were in Dallas, Houston, and San Antonio. And I got to be honest, and it's going to sound like I'm being overly critical. It was kind of hard to watch the Dallas and Houston shows because the Dallas show, while it was a good venue at Gillies, crowd wasn't overly into it. The one in Houston, the venue seemed too big, and there wasn't but maybe 300 people there, and it was kind of a dead crowd. Luckily, they kind of redeemed themselves with the final show in San Antonio. I do think that the San Antonio show was the best show of the weekend, and not only was it kind of filled with the most exciting matches, in my opinion, but the the venue seemed to be more filled with people, and not only more filled, because sometimes you could have a packed house, but the crowd's kind of dead. Right. This crowd was pretty rowdy and boisterous, and I liked that a lot. So to me, the crowd was great, and that, that added to the match for us watching, because some of these shows, when you could see that there's a ton of empty seats, it just takes you out of it, and you're like, wow, that's a lot of empty seats, uh-huh. terrible camera angles that are just showing so many people missing from the... From the building, you know? Right. Well, that being said, we'll talk about briefly some things from those first couple shows. It was Tag Wars was the main focus of this three-day show. And uh, we had Villain Enterprises versus The Kingdom, which I was kind of surprised was a first-round match, which was a really good match. And then the the other one that stands out for me in Dallas, uh, Bandito versus Silas. And I thought this was a tremendous match. But again... That was probably the one match where the crowd was super into it in Dallas. Uh, but that was that was kind of the couple highlights. But then we went to Houston, and uh, we knew that Flip Gordon wasn't going to be with Colt. He ends up with Willie Mack. But who was Kenny King paired with? That was going to be the big surprise. It was MVP. And yeah, he looked decent. But, you know, those weren't my favorite matches of the weekend were the ones with MVP. I thought he did a good job. And it was a great pop and a surprise for the audience. And definitely a recognizable name. And they've obviously teamed together before. And I love their chemistry together. That was, like, the best part of the match. But I was more excited to see Willie Mack involved in these shows. Because I'm a huge fan of him. Such a big guy. So athletic. And he deserves the big push he's getting at the end of last year into this year. And he seems like he has a great personality. He, he, uh, I mean, I even wrote it down. We love Mac. We do. <laughs> and we do. I will say, and, you know, obviously I I'm, I'm, have made no secret of, I only got into New Japan within the last couple of years. I was surprised to know that MVP was the first intercontinental champion in New Japan. And you didn't know that either, did you? No, I actually (laughs) didn't know it. And then we actually looked up that there's only been 20 reigns held by 12 different people. Right, right. That is crazy. That's such an insane few number of people to have held the belt. And Nakamura was a bunch of those, right? Nakamura, I knew about him because I had seen a lot of his, like, you know, his matches. And I've gone back and watched a lot of that older stuff. But, yeah, he was the most well-known IWGP IC champion. And he actually elevated the belt to kind of, like, we see it as a, at a very prestigious level today where it actually main events some of the smaller shows. Uh, another thing that stood out not only in Houston but San Antonio, Bully Ray is doing some great heel work. And when... Uh, Lifeblood took on Bully, Silas, the Briscoes, and Shane Taylor. Bully just got all up on uh, Finley, said, I used to beat the crap out of your dad. Then he was trash-talking Juice. Twice I made you my B. Uh, So Bully did some great work there, and then he did it as well in San Antonio, trash-talking Cobb a lot, getting right in his face, and Willie Mack. Uh, The other noteworthy thing from Houston, uh, Jay Lethal tying the record for title defenses with 38 and the most time with the title, 
which we love Jay Lethal, so that's a nice accomplishment for him. Yeah, and I mean, he's probably going to go down as probably the best Ring of Honor champion of all time after this latest run. I mean, he's carrying it with such prestige, and I'm really excited to see him break all the records because he's such a company guy. He just seems like he he kind of represents Ring of Honor with such class. I, I love that about him. Much deserved to break all these records. Yeah, congratulations to him. Yeah, so then we go to, like we said, our favorite show of the weekend for Ring of Honor, the one in San Antonio. And again, like, Silas had another great match. Again, he was involved in that awesome tag match. Willie Mack and Jeff Cobb against uh, Shane Taylor and Silas Young. That w- And that was, that was one of the uh, other matches because Tag Wars was, like, the prominent part of that show. That was but, just, like, a, another match. But it was, but it was awesome. Match. It could have been a part of Tag Wars because, to me, that might have been one of my favorite matches of the whole weekend. I'd love to see a singles match between Mac and Shane Taylor. I said that when they were squaring off in the ring. I was like, wow, two athletic big guys. I don't know. And they both have, like, really great personalities. Like, Shane Taylor is, like, an awesome heel right now. Really like what he's doing. And Mac's just so lovable. And to see them, there's such stark differences in character right now between the two of them. And that would make for a great match. But especially because they're athletic big men. Uh, Shane yeah. Taylor is surprisingly athletic. Yeah. Uh, Marty Skrull versus Mark Haskins. That was a really good match. Although, we just read a tweet from Haskins. They suffered a, a partially torn calf. So, Yet another Ring of Honor injury, but it doesn't sound like it's going to be too long, hopefully, for him. He just said a few weeks, and he even said that he's going to be at these shows in Florida coming up. By the way, stay tuned to our podcast because we'll be talking about those shows, or at least the one that's like a a house show that you could watch on Honor Club. The other one's TV tapings, I believe. But yeah, we're going to have some Zack Sabre Jr. appearances, which we're really excited about. You know, it's good news that Haskins is still going to be at the those shows because they could really use him. He's one of the big signees. So yet another injury of one of their newly signed people. It's, it's kind of odd that it keeps happening like this, like a domino effect. Yeah, it really is. But the part of the show that was the focus was Tag Wars, two semifinals with three teams each. I think we're not surprised that the two teams that got to the finals were Villain Enterprises with PCO and Brody King going against... Uh, Lifeblood and Juice and Finley. Uh, it seems like they want to give both those teams a push. Let's start with <laughs> Villain Enterprises. We we love Brody King with his athleticism. The PCO stuff is great. Yeah, I am in love with PCO. <laughs> and I've got to give a shout-out to our good friend Jason Spann. He told me about PCO before I even like was paying attention to him on the indie scene before he joined Ring of Honor. So Jason knew about PCO. He's like, you got to check out PCO. And he was right. PCO is amazing. He's crazy. But, you know, I do worry, like, how long can he keep up this style of wrestling? <laughs> it's pretty hardcore, pretty intense on the body. He is older. Now, I know that hasn't stopped no. some other older wrestlers who really go at a high level. Like Suzuki, he's much older, and he's still going very strong. And I think it's not like he's a light-hitting wrestler. No, he takes a, a lot of bumps. Yeah, he does. So, so you know, I'm not saying that it's impossible for someone older. It's just that PCO is doing some brutal stuff. And I think that's what makes him so lovable. And I say lovable, of course. <laughs> I mean, like, he's playing a villainous character, but people love him. And rightfully so. He's just taking all these crazy risks, and I love it. But uh, another thing I like about him, besides his personality and his wrestling, is his entrance. I think Ring of Honor really hit the nail on the head there because I love it. It kind of gives you like a Frankenstein feel, and they've referred to him as like a Frankenstein type of monster. They keep saying, he's alive, just like (laughs) you would say from the movie. And 
I don't know. I just love how, you know, the lightning's going on in the background and his theme is really, really cool. It's a very good instrumental kind of eerie feeling theme. Perfectly suits him. So his entrance is the beginning, but let's circle to the ending. PCO and King beat Juice and Finley, sets up a future tag team championship match against the Briscoes, and the squaring off between Mark Briscoe and PCO after the match where they're throwing chairs at each other, just awesome. They've had a couple of great exchanges in multi-man matches and now in this run-in. So now we're going to actually get, speaking of that Ring of Honor Florida show, that it's going to be a house show that's going to be on Honor Club, Mark Briscoe is set to take on, in a singles match, PCO. And that should be amazing, because like I said, we've had some sequences between the two of them with other people involved, and it's, that's been great. So wait till they meet one-on-one. I think it's going to be even better. Yep. And then two I, crazy dudes. Well, what can go wrong? Or what can't go right, I should say. <laughs> I love uh, Briscoe dropping the elbow through the table, and PCO pops up. Kind of a, a quick version of The Undertaker sitting up, because he pops right up. He's just... Uh, like you said, I don't know how long he can keep the style up, but boy, is he fun to watch. He is fun, and man, he was smiling like he was like enjoying all the pain. Like That's why he likes to be chopped when, instead of tagged in, he likes to get chopped in. So he just, <laughs> his whole persona is really great and on point because you know he's supposed to love pain, and he's really playing it off like he does. He certainly does. Uh, so Ring of Honor uh, wrapping up the Lone Star Swing. They've got a couple shows in Florida coming up, uh, the 9th and 10th, I believe, We'll be talking about that. As we mentioned, uh, next week we'll have some more New Japan to talk about. But coming up next, we're going to go heavy into a big weekend in Phoenix. WWE, NXT, Royal Rumble, Raw, SmackDown. It was a really busy four days in Phoenix. A lot that people have been talking about on Twitter. And we're going to get to it when we come back on Tuesday's Wrestling Talk. St. Arnold Brewing Company, located in Houston, is Texas' oldest craft brewery. Their goal is to brew world-class beers and deliver them to their customers as fresh as possible, making them the best beers in Texas and Louisiana. Their customers are beer lovers, people that appreciate great full-flavored beers. So whether you're enjoying an art car IPA or a smooth-drinking lawnmower, look for St. Arnold beers throughout Louisiana and Texas. Our Two-Faced Wrestling Talk logo was inspired by Two-Face, the Batman animated series character, and his coin. The logo was designed by the talented and creative artist Eric Hudson. Eric creates wrestling-themed pieces as well as other pop culture art. He is also currently working on a Roddy Piper comic book. You can follow him on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Dreaded Dinosaur. You can also support his work by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash dreaded dinosaur. Please check out his work. Welcome back to Two-Faced Wrestling Talk, and we're going to switch our attention to the desert southwest and four phenomenal days in Phoenix. You know, Kelsey's always kind of a, a contrarian, kind of a negative towards WWE. Even you were super positive about uh, TakeOver and Royal Rumble, surprisingly. Yeah, I mean, I even praised both shows. I couldn't believe how much I actually enjoyed, especially the Royal Rumble, because usually, you know, TakeOver is always really good, but the Royal Rumble just kind of took me by surprise because it felt like they were actually trying and changing things up, and I even tweeted out that it might have been my favorite WWE pay-per-view in the last few years. Like, it was that good to me. I was entertained. I didn't lose focus for much of the show, and that's unusual for me. 
Yes, it is. Usually, at some point, you kind of tune out and kind of forget about things. So, uh, But takeovers are always great. I will say, actually, that this probably wasn't as great a takeover as some of the other ones, but I thought it was strong. Uh, the War Raiders winning, that was pretty exciting. I, I, I mean, oh, yeah. I, we love those guys. We, 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 do, <laughs> we do love those guys. We liked them a whole bunch when they were on the non-WWE scene as War Machine. Right. And I still like the name War Machine better. I will continue saying that forever. And, you know, if you guys disagree with us, that's fine. Like we say every week, it's okay to agree to disagree. Tweet us, you know, why you might disagree with some of the things we say. But I'm going to say that I love them winning, but I don't feel as excited about them as I used to. And I don't know why that is. Maybe they've got to have a great title run. Maybe that will help. But um, I don't know. I don't know if it's just like the the mystique is gone. I'm not <laughs> sure what it is for me. And if you guys disagree, that's perfectly fine. I still love them a lot. And I think they're some of the best big men out there because they're so athletic. Right. And they're so great together. And I love their gimmick. But again, I don't like the name and like their promo that they cut on, you know, the NXT episode that we just watched. It was just kind of like we're the champs, we're the, we're gonna raid, you know. There's going to be war, like you know, just like kind of emphasizing a few buzzwords. It just felt really scripted. It just didn't feel like them. Well, to me. I I think part of the appeal of them before, because I like them almost as much as I did before, but it was almost like I don't want to say they were ours, but you know, it was like. You know, not so many people knew about them, I guess. It's, they were like this gem in some ways that were like, oh, my God, these guys are awesome. And, like and a we hidden started, gem, And we yes. started talking about them a lot, even though they were getting play on Ring of Honor and stuff. You know, it it didn't seem like they were well known, as well-known, maybe. And so maybe we... We felt like we were in the know about something. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. Maybe. maybe. Maybe that's the way. I don't know what it is. But for some reason, yes, I, I feel like I'm not as invested in them as I was before, even though they're just as good doing just as amazing things as they were before. Yeah, like, again, I, don't, I have no idea why I feel this way, but it was cool to see them win the titles to circle back around. And I, I hope going forward they can have some amazing matches. Uh, one of the things from the, the, the following match, that Ono-Matt Riddle match, the Ono biting Matt Riddle's toes. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> that was gross is what it was. It wasn't weird. It was gross. <laughs> well, whatever. What are you going to do? The dude's wrestling barefoot. Take advantage. Uh, the match of the night, obviously, was uh, Ricochet and Gargano, didn't you think? Oh, yeah. I mean, no question to me. I really loved that match. Surprise ending. I thought Ricochet was going to retain, but... It kind of makes sense when you sit down and think about it because Gargano didn't win at TakeOver. Like, you know, he, he has been pulling out these amazing matches every TakeOver, and yet he keeps losing. So to me, eventually you have to give the guy a win, and he deserves a belt. So this kind of made perfect sense all around, and the match was awesome, but the, there was a lot of standing around. Like, we kind of always have criticized, and we, we actually criticize Ring of Honor people about this all the time. And sometimes New Japan. But I think New Japan kind of hides it a little more. But when people are just standing around on the outside and someone's coming from in the ring, jumping to the outside, onto that other person, the person on the outside is usually just kind of standing there. And I feel like in this Ricochet-Gargano match, we caught one of the two standing around on the outside waiting for the other to jump on him more than once. And I didn't like that. And I think part of that problem is, we've talked about in the past, is not having a good camera angle. If you don't see the person standing there, 
it wouldn't be as big a deal that they are standing there. But because the camera angle is right over the guy's shoulder as he's standing there, it makes it more obvious. I loved the Gargano reversal where he dropped out like an elevator and dropped Ricochet's face into the turnbuckle. That that was one of the coolest moves, I thought, of the match. And, and he sold it like he was a rag doll. Yeah. Like, he broke his neck, and then he just, like, crumbled, like, bones, you know, jelly. <laughs> I don't know. It was crazy. And I also love the uh, Ricochet uh, Fosberry flop over the top. I thought that was amazing as well. Yeah, that was really cool. I didn't even know what that was, yeah, so had, you explained it to me. I had to, to tell me. you what a Fosberry flop was, so... Uh, Gargano, the winner there. Next up was uh, Shayna Baszler versus Bianca Belair. First time Bianca Belair got onto that main stage, got a title shot, and not everybody seemed to be happy about it, which was weird in the WWE pre-show. Yeah, Sam Roberts, who usually is a pretty positive guy, had some negative things to say, including that he thought... Belair versus Baszler was a waste of a takeover match. He's like, can anyone really even believe that Belair has a chance against Baszler at all? And that's why he called it a waste, because it was unbelievable that she would even be ready for this title shot. He said, like, you know, she wasn't ready now and all this other stuff. He just kept going on. It was a very negative rant. And the other people on the panel were almost taken aback. And people are questioning if it was real or not. Like, oh, this is probably just, you know, scripted. I don't think so. Why would they script him to be that critical? I don't think they would script anybody to say it was a waste yeah. of a match. It doesn't make sense to me. Why would WWE have somebody on their pre-show panel plan to say that it was a waste and like basically bash the match? It makes no sense. It's no way to hype up a match. So anyone saying that that's scripted, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I mean, because usually WWE is super pumping up their product. So it's weird that it would be scripted unless they're trying to throw a swerve and say... All right, this guy's always accused of being too positive. Be super negative about something. I don't know. And then, like, the way he was almost stuttering before he started. Yeah, that was Like, weird. he started, he's like, uh, 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 the, the, I couldn't remember how he started it, but it was with a stutter. And then it was almost like he was scared to say it. Right. But he just had enough, and he had to say his mind about it. He didn't want to pretend like he was so excited for this match. That's almost what it came off like to me, but... It's hard to say if it was real or not. I'm thinking it was real, raw feelings and not scripted at all because it doesn't make sense otherwise. But whether or not I agree with him is another thing I'm, I'm actually not sure about. I always thought that Belair was very strong and awesome. But, you know, there were some points in the match where she looked really nervous and, like, she wasn't ready for right. such a big stage. So in some ways, maybe he had a little bit of truth to say, you know, he was kind of right, but I don't think he was completely right because I think he was a little overly harsh. Because I think overall the match was it was entertaining, but it was not the best women's takeover match ever. No, Let's just say no. that. No, crowd was definitely behind Belair, and uh, one of the signature moments of that match was the hair whip on uh, Baszler's stomach, and it busts open a cut on Baszler's stomach, which shows you know, how harsh that hair whip is from Bianca. I uh, saw somebody tweet, how is, you know, her hair not considered a weapon? I mean, look what, what it did to to Baszler. That's true. That's true. Meanwhile, Shayna Baszler is so solid in everything she does, and she retains. Uh, the men's championship match, Tommaso Ciampa retains against uh, Aleister Black. There was a little subtle move that I wanted to call attention to that maybe nobody noticed. Shows Ciampa's athletic ability. When he shot off his knees, he's on his knees, pops up off of his knees, to kick Aleister Black. I thought that was an incredible little piece of athleticism that nobody really noticed. It was almost like a drop kick, but from the knees. Yeah. 
like when he was crouched down, like it wasn't even like a standing kneeling position. It was kind of like lower squatting on his knees. And um, no one really said anything about it, including like Morrow on commentary right. or anybody. Right. Like they weren't like, whoa, look, from a kneeling position, he pops up out of nowhere. Like that takes insane strength. So like you said, it was kind of subtle in that nobody really called attention to it, but it sure did look impressive. Champa wins with four fairy tale endings before uh, holding the belt at the end and kind of a, a moment at the end with him and Gargano holding their belts at the top of the uh, ramp. How long are they going to be connected with each other? Yeah. You know, I think for quite a while, whether it was against each other as allies, their, uh, their whole run has been kind of tied together in one way or another, and I like that. And they'll be together on Sunday as they uh, have halftime heat. It'll be them along with Adam Cole against Ricochet, Velveteen Dream, and Aleister Black. And we will have a poll about that, as we mentioned earlier, coming up this weekend to gauge your interest in halftime heat. But let's shift gears and go to the Royal Rumble. I want to start on the pre-show real quick. I thought the match between Tommy, Buddy Murphy, Tozawa, and Kalisto was a phenomenal match. I, 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 I even joked with you, I wonder if this is going to be one of the best matches of the show because they were so good and we, we both kind of were hoping before, obviously, the news came out about it, Tommy, that maybe this was going to be the time that Tommy won the belt. But what a great match. There were some sequences at the end where it really looked like a Tommy could win. And we're like, well, he's finally going to get his you know his title push. No, it didn't happen. <laughs> um, that kind of sucks. But now it makes sense, you know, after we heard that he's asked for his release. Um, the match was amazing, and usually I completely tune out during the pre-show, but it made me pay attention. I caught some, you know, quick moves, and then I was, like, kind of taken into it, and I liked it a lot. And I was apt to believe you that it could be the best match of the whole night, <laughs> because usually WWE pay-per-views are not my thing. Like, I right. usually don't get that invested in them. Usually they kind of disappoint me a bit. So I thought it was very plausible at the time that that could be the best match. However, the show just kept getting better and better. But let's uh, make sure we don't forget to say that one of the, to me, bad parts of the Rumble, one of the only bad parts, really, was that weird thrown-together tag match with oh, yeah. one of the Revival and one of the Authors of Pain right. working together as like a makeshift tag team. That was so odd and weird, and I didn't like it at all. And later in the night, I'll tell you why, but I was like, run, Revival, run! <laughs> this was just more evidence why, if it's true that they've requested their release, they really should go to AEW, because although the Rumble was great, one thing that I know for sure right now that's not good in WWE is the tag division. It's so thin, it's booked very strangely, and I'm not a fan of what they're doing with the tag team division. I really wish they would just combine the two rosters into one, where they bounce the champion back and forth kind of thing, right. going against each different roster. It just, it's too thin right now. Well, too few teams. Well, why don't we, even before we get into Oscar and Becky, why don't we just jump ahead to that tag team match where you use that line. Uh, Shane and Miz uh, beating the bar. Uh, first of all, the Cesaro swing, where he, he did it like 30 times. That yeah, was he hasn't done that for that long in a very long time. And in fact, it was kind of cool because it made me think of old school Cesaro where he used to do it that many times around quite often but we it's been a while since we saw that so that was cool another thing that stood out was I will say I'm a little weirded out that Shane has won a title at his age being like a backstage guy in the company I'm all for Shane McMahon I like 
marked out when he returned. But to me, he shouldn't be in this prominent wrestling role this far into his return to the company. You should be focused on the actual members of the roster. But he did look great doing that shooting star press. That right. was a beautiful shooting star press. At his age, it was awesome. It was one of the best parts of his, of the match. But again, like it's weird that he's holding a tag team title belt. It's like another makeshift tag team that really makes no sense to me. Miz and him together. They're the... The tag champs? It's strange. And again, another reason, that's when I tweeted, run, Revival, run! And I used the Forrest you know, Gump gif where he's running away. It's like, Revival, please go to AEW, where tag team wrestling will obviously be on kind of like a, a raised-up platform. It will be valued, and it will be booked well. Uh, the start of the show, and you might remember a week ago, I said to uh, Raphael when we were going through the gambling odds, if Asuka and Becky is the beginning of the show... Oscar will retain and Becky will be in the Battle Royal or the Royal Rumble and that's that's exactly what happened. Oscar won in a not so impressive match. It was decent but not great. Um then they had the other women's singles match, Ronda Rousey for Sasha Banks. And you know, we're going to talk about the crowd when it comes to Ronda I Rousey. I just don't get it. Yeah, but, I don't get it. But in this match, there there wasn't a lot of excitement. There wasn't, and like I know the crowd loves Becky. And here's another instance where if you guys disagree with me, that's fine. If I'm saying an opinion that is against your own, that's okay. I've been vocal about how I'm not the hugest Becky Lynch fan. I know this character stuff is great that she's doing, but honestly, she's my least favorite of the four horsewomen. Like, you know, I would love to see Bailey be the first woman to main event a mania. And now it's looking like it could be... Becky. And now, yeah, she deserves like, you know, all the push she's getting, but she's just not my favorite. And so to me, to think that that Asuka Becky match was better, I just don't think it really was if you look at the wrestling. Sasha Banks just proves over and over again why she's one of the best women. Her match against Rousey was awesome. I thought it flowed very well. It didn't feel like they were thinking about sequences, which is kind of like a pet peeve of mine. Right. And you know, I'm admittedly very hard on women matches because to me what's fair is judging the women's matches just like you would judge any man's match and just like I would be harsh on any man's match that I don't like I'm going to be just as harsh as any you know at any women's match that I don't like and I think that is the definition of being fair (laughs) so to me I really thought the best women's match of the night was the Sasha against Ronda Rousey match. It just had so many great parts, and the Asuka and Becky match just didn't do it for me. And actually, um, I thought it was interesting. Bully Ray tweeted out that he thought that Becky should have passed out versus tapped out, and I kind of agree with that. Like, I think it might have made me enjoy the match a little bit more because it would have made Becky look really strong and awesome, and it would have kept Asuka looking as strong as she did. Asuka needed that win. I mean, she really did when you look at it because she needs to get back to that prominent Asuka as we talked about last week. And this was one step into, you know, staying dominant and getting back to being that Asuka that we love. So that was the right decision. But again, it would have been better for Becky as a character and as like a, quote, you know, bad lass (laughs) um, if she would have just passed out instead of tapped out. Well, the other thing uh, about the Rousey-Banks match, going back to that, uh, was a a very curious little subtle thing at the end. After the match was over, after Ronda Rousey had won, Sasha Banks holding up the number four. Was she hinting at a four-horsewoman reunion? Was she saying, you're going to get one of the four-horsewomen later? You know, the, or was she saying there's going to be a four horsewoman of the WWE versus four horsewomen of you know the MMA world going head to head? Was she teasing like 
that she was going to beat her. I, I don't know what it really it meant, but it was a subtle thing that I liked. Another subtle thing during that match I just want to call attention to is I kind of like how Sasha Banks, Ronda was w- working over her arm, and Sasha took off her... It's like this fabric wrapped around her arm. Mm-hmm. It's part of her gear. And she was taking it off like, oh, it was cutting off the circulation right. to her arm. And she had to, not only was her arm getting worked over by Rhonda, but the the fabric was putting more tension on her arm. And she wanted to relieve some of that tension. So she was unwrapping it. I thought that was a nice little subtle thing that Sasha did. I liked it. So let's talk about the Royal Rumble itself. few notes. We... Uh... We kind of noticed that the 90 seconds seemed to be inconsistent. Going we through. timed it with an actual timer. Sometimes it was like... Way over? Yeah, like sometimes it was just 10 seconds over. And a lot of times, like once or twice it was under. Yeah. I was like, what the heck is going on here? How do they time this? We tried timing it <laughs> different ways, too. We timed a few from the moment the entrance music hit. And then we were like, well, maybe it's when they hit the ring. Right. We timed a few that way, and it was all inconsistent either way. So... If you have any comment on what it's, first of all, supposed to be, is is it supposed to be when their music hits or is it when they hit the ring? Please feel free to weigh in. A uh, couple individual performances. We thought Nikki Cross was great. Natalia lasted 55-58 in that match. Casey, who is like that small girl who was on American Ninja Warrior, uh-huh. she was incredible. I didn't know she was going out with Ricochet, but there's some behind-the-scenes footage of Ricochet almost crying about how proud he was of her. That was really cool. Uh, A little disappointed in Tamina. She looked like she was hurt or something, kind of just moving really slow. Slow and awkward and robotic almost. Just nothing was fluid with her, and she's looked really great in the past. Like, what made us really notice it more than anything was that splash from the top. You know, her dad, obviously, was known for these beautiful splashes. And she's done it very well in the past, too. Exactly. You've said, you've seen her do it, and it's looked great. And, of course, it's in her blood. Right. But she did a terrible one in this Royal Rumble match. And also, another thing that was kind of bad on a different woman was Lacey Evans trying to do a kip-up. Oh, God. Oh, she, like, totally failed on that. <laughs> and I know it was her first big match in front of so many people on the main roster and everything, but... um. I was not impressed with her performance. And you and I have commented about her before. I've made the statement that I think she is too gimmicky to really work on the main roster. But then I started thinking about that statement. And I thought about somebody like Kyrie Sane. Super gimmicky person. She's supposed to be like a like a pirate because, <laughs> you know, she's all into sailing. And on the surface, that looks really corny. But it works for Kyrie Sane. And people love her. And she's an amazing wrestler. But for Lacey Evans, I don't buy into the gimmick. And her wrestling, like you you called attention to it, her wrestling doesn't support it being enough to overlook the corny gimmick. Well, and I, I just don't know if she did enough in NXT to warrant this call-up just yet. So that's what surprised me. On commentary, they said she was the first female SWAT member? Yeah, I think that's what they said. So that's... Yeah, that I had no... <laughs> if that's true, that that's an impressive stat. I had no idea. And that makes her really an impressive person. But like I said, I would like to see more from her wrestling, though. What I loved is, uh, both in the women's and the men's, not a heavy reliance on legends. They let a lot of the younger talent, some of the NXT talent, step up. And one of those was Candice LeRae. And that's going to kind of circle us back to something you wanted to mention uh regarding her and AEW. I have always been a fan of Candice LeRae, and many people like me are fans of Candice LeRae. I think that one of her biggest fans are actually fellow wrestlers of hers, uh-huh. and that would be, of course, the Young Bucks. Because 
they had that awesome match that basically went viral where they were tagging against her and Joey Ryan in an intergender match in PWG. And she got super kicked in the face by a boot filled with (laughs) thumbtacks. It was crazy. So her face is all bloody. The Young Bucks have always respected her. And I know I've said this time and time again on our past episodes, but when the Young Bucks used to get asked, if you could add a woman to the Bullet Club, who would you add? Time and time again, it never failed. Over at least 10 plus interviews, they always would say Candice LeRae. Always. Without a moment's hesitation, they said, we would automatically add Candice LeRae. We love her so much. She's a great wrestler. She's one of our favorites. I feel like it was awesome to see Candice in this match, but I feel like if the timing would have been a little better, she would have been a perfect addition for AEW. Not only could she wrestle as a singles women's wrestler in AEW and probably get the title, because I feel like the Bucks think of her so highly, that would be no question. She could get the title, maybe be, be the first AEW women's title holder for the company. But I think she could have worked as an intergender tag wrestler with Joey Ryan, who's rumored to eventually join AEW when he can, when his contract is up elsewhere. I feel like she could have worked with him still, and it would have been wonderful. Even against the Bucks, you could have seen like a rematch against them. So the timing just didn't work out. Now she's in NXT. I really love to see her do well. I just hope that in NXT she can get a top run there and maybe even win the woman's title. Because she is amazing. I love her character. She's so lovable. You hardly ever hear anybody say anything bad about her. Some cool moments to see her in the Rumble. And actually Joey Ryan, who's like her best friend and obviously her old tag team partner, tweeted out a gif of him and her hugging. And he did hashtag Candice LeRae, hashtag Royal Rumble. So he was really excited to see her in the match. And also, he was excited to see some intergender wrestling later in the show, in yep. the men's Royal Rumble match. Yep, which we'll get to uh, shortly. And uh, we got a lot of thoughts about that as oh, well. Oh, yeah. That was kind of something very controversial. De- lots of different opinions on that. So Becky Lynch wins after uh, replacing Lana. I will say, the roar at Chase Field when Becky Lynch came out was insane. Uh, but no surprise that she won the Royal Rumble. Daniel Bryan beats AJ Styles with help from Eric Rowan, which was kind of random and out of nowhere. Uh, and then uh, Brock Lesnar beats Finn Balor. Uh, we kind of debated last week whether Finn Balor would come out as the demon or something new. He as did soon not. as he didn't, I was like, he's not going to win. <laughs> yep. It was a surprising match because I thought it was great, actually. Yeah, it was. I was really entertained, and I thought it was way better than I originally thought it might be. So to me, I'd love to see a rematch or them feud. It was really good. Yep. Yeah, I thought it was uh, good. Uh, Lesnar winning it with the uh, Kimura lock, which he hasn't been using a lot. So that set up the Men's Royal Rumble. In theory, who would face Brock or who would face Daniel Bryan? Uh, It starts out with Jeff Jarrett and Elias, which I thought was... uh, Jeff Jarrett was, I think, the lone legend that was even in the Royal Rumble. He was, yeah. And, you know, it was perfect with the guitars and stuff. That was kind of funny. Remember your comment? If someone doesn't get hit over the head with a guitar, (laughs) I might as well turn this thing off. (laughs) Because it was, like, ripe for that to happen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It would be a huge I think I specifically said I wanted Elias to use it on Jeff Jarrett. (laughs) Yeah. It would have been a huge missed opportunity if nobody got hit with the guitar. Uh, I laughed. I, it was such a subtle thing, but I loved when Gargano went flying at Samoa Joe and Samoa Joe just steps out of the way with a look of disdain at Gargano, like, who do you think you are kind of thing. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, Kofi, of course, did another crazy uh, thing to stay off of his feet. It wasn't my favorite no, crazy no. thing of Kofi's, I gotta admit. That was not my favorite Kofi spot. I uh, felt 
for No Way Jose. I called exactly what was going to happen. You did. The, the conga line was going to come through. He'd get thrown out, get back in the conga line, and leave. It's not looking good for him. He's no. looking to just kind of stay a silly joke. And, and I don't like wrestler. that. He is a good wrestler, and he's a lot of fun, and he's super nice. We got the chance to meet him and interview him like a year ago before WrestleMania in New Orleans. And it's just such a shame because, yeah, I know his gimmick's kind of funny and weird, but he could be a serious good wrestler if they used him right. So uh, progressing along, and I guess we'll, we'll get to the moment a lot of people are talking about. Uh, R-Truth is supposed to be number 30. He gets attacked by Nia Jax, and she takes his spot. And before we get to the listener comments, I guess we'll talk about it first. I thought she, I, I liked it a lot. I thought she did well. I liked uh, uh, Randy Orton hitting the RKO on her. Uh, I thought her performance was fine. I didn't have a problem with it. I not only liked it, but I loved it. And I thought it was so well done. It was the perfect opportunity. Literally, people were complaining, why wasn't Becky Lynch the one? How would that make sense anyway? <laughs> she just won the Rumble. There's no reason to enter in the Men's Royal Rumble. Right. Um, makes no sense at all. And is the perfect person because not only could she kind of go toe-to-toe with the men in terms of size... But also, you know, her whole gimmick of, I'm not like most girls. But even further than that, she's already got heat with the crowd. So the crowd wanted to see her get these finishing maneuvers right. performed on her. They wanted to see her get RKO'd out of nowhere. And they cheered when she did get RKO'd. So to me, because of all the heat she's had, oh, she's not safe. And, and anyway, she has heat in ring, in character, in storyline, because she's the one who busted you know, open Becky Lynch and hurt her nose and kind of ruined the whole Ronda Becky thing the first time. So no matter how you paint it, legit heat or storyline heat, they wanted to see her get RKO'd. So to me, it it made sense. How could it have been anyone else but Nia Jax? Because some people were like, I don't like it because it was her. And other people are like, we don't like it because it's kind of like saying that abuse is okay. That I've got something to say. I can understand people being like, why would we want to show kids that beating up women's okay. But it's not like that because in abuse you have a victim. This is a woman voluntarily going into a match against men on her own accord. She wants to. She's taking on that, like, I want to go against these guys. I know I can. So to me, it's all about intent and power, and she has the power. And she was like, I'm going into this. I know the consequences, and I can take on these guys and stand toe-to-toe with them. So to me, it's actually empowering for women, I think. Well, there was a lot of scuttlebutt about this match, and you decided to tweet, uh, Nia entering the Men's Royal Rumble, thoughts, like or dislike? I know it's been done before, but I kind of like it. And so uh, here are some of the responses, and we'll start with at Flanman718, hated it. Should have been Kenny there. You just never know until the moment passes. AJ was never supposed to show up either. Oh, well. I just didn't think that that was plausible. I knew that Kenny was not going to show up there. I mean, he was still under contract with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Plus, why would he abandon his friends who literally just started this new tricky venture that they really could use his name value in? You know, I don't know. To me, it just made no sense if it would be Kenny. No sense at all. At jmels1323, I would have been excited if R-Truth tried to use his 30th spot for the Women's Rumble. (laughs) It makes more sense and would have added some comedy to the end of their event. Nia is boring, and she already lost the women's match. If any female should have entered it, it should have been the man. But like I alluded to a few minutes ago, 
there's no reason for Becky to have gone into the match. She had already won her spot. She had already won the Women's Royal Rumble. Why would she want to win the men's one, too? Yeah, the only way Becky would have made sense is if, if she had beaten Asuka at the beginning of the show, and that could have been a way at the end of the show. She's, she's I've already proven I'm, I'm the woman's champ. You know, maybe I'll, I'll win this match. I really match, am but, the man. Yeah. I guess I could see it then, and, and I really like your comment because it's, it's kind of intriguing to think about, but I just don't think it would have worked. Right. Uh, at not Shelby duh says loved it at CB buff 22 was cool when it was breaking down barriers, but with the women having their own Royal rumble match, their own pay-per-view and the whole mix max challenge, it seems less important and like a spot who could have gone to a male competitor who could have used some pay-per-view time. I could see that viewpoint, but to me, I just, I just thought it was so exciting and it was something we haven't seen in quite a while. And I think it, it did more than somebody getting a 30-second spot or a minute spot just to get thrown out. Right. You know? Like, our truths not going to win it. No. You know? So, you know, do something like this, which was truly intriguing. Plus, she comes out and destroys our truth which was pretty cool. But I really love all the differences of opinions. So so to me, it's still a cool comment. Like, all these comments, I just love how that there's so many people who are on different ends of the spectrum. That's what makes wrestling so fascinating. And being a fan is such a unique and crazy thing because you could have so many different opinions and so many things happen. It's one of the best things about wrestling. <laughs> so onwards with the comments. At ScreenKicker55 said, kind of worth it to see her get RKO'd. <laughs> that really was a cool moment, I gotta say. Then we've got at Be Better Gamer. That's when the Rumble got very exciting for me. A lot of it was pretty by the books. Also felt rushed as they were trying to close the show. Created a frenzy in the crowd when she came out because it was different and unpredictable. I also liked the character work by Ray, Orton, and Ali. Mustafa being too nice and sort of new causes him to get eliminated. Ray falling for Naya's trick and reluctantly making her pay. Orton relishing every moment of it. Very well done, but also made Naya look like... She was badass and calculated. Very good observations there, especially about the character work. I love how Orton like just savored, like he said, yeah. the RKO. And he kind of there's this moment where the camera cuts to him, and he's uh, it's a profile shot, and he looks to the side, and he's got like this menacing smirk, like, like he always a smirk, has. Yeah. yeah, it was awesome. Uh, let's continue a couple other quick ones here. Uh, at CJ Goodspeed, LOL, Kelsey. You know I don't even have to tell you what I think. This is one of the few things we disagree on. Uh, at the real grizzle, it was fun seeing her interact with the dudes. At FJ Huff 282, it was a nice little nugget in a Royal Rumble with a predictable ending. Everyone knew if Becky lost to Oscar, she would get in the Royal Rumble and win. Rollins was only the true out there men's Royal Rumble winner. So, I, a couple people have said that the show was kind of predictable, which we, we had even said. said that, yeah. But. That's why I, it's impressive that the show was actually good because it was fairly predictable but still entertaining. Yeah, th that's usually the opposite. When it's predictable, you're usually not entertained at all. Right. But this time, they really did a good job. Like I said, it was moments like this Naya spot to me mm -hmm. that made the difference. So, yeah, the endings were predictable, but these little tiny touches, which to me, in wrestling, it's all about the little moments because just a look to the crowd or one sequence can kind of add something huge to a match or to a whole show. Right. So those are the moments in wrestling you wait for and really relish when they pay off in the right way like this. So we go onwards with the comments still. At Chico was here. I like that they put a woman in, but I'd rather it not have been her. And if it is Naya, then don't completely, quote, bury her within a few seconds. And don't have that person that people watch 205 Live for do the job for her. Make it mean something. 
So much was wasted tonight, and he means in the whole Royal Rumble. I'd have to respectfully disagree. I understand not liking Nia. You know, she might not be your favorite wrestler, but I thought that this spot was overall very well done, and I don't think there was much wasted overall, at least with that spot. At Rich19792, I would have preferred to see her get a proper number and not just come in at the end. Other than her involvement, the Rumble was boring. At Chad Chatterson, I like was done really well. At Drunken Tacos, which, by the way, I love that name. Not being insulting because of her size, but the weight difference between Nia and Becky is legitimately greater than the weight difference between Lesnar and Leo Rush. Weight classes exist for a reason. And he, he mentioned that not to be offensive, but he meant it in terms of uh, safety. Right. He was saying, like, you know, it's kind of dangerous to have her literally working with people who are so much smaller than her, where if something goes wrong, to me, I think these wrestlers are trained to work with each other and to be safe regardless of their size. And weight classes only really exist because the companies either want them or don't. Right. Like, New Japan has a junior weight division and a heavyweight division, whereas WWE... They, now they have 205 Live, but before that, you know, for a while now, they hadn't had one. Right. Like, that's why you had Balor versus Lesnar. Right. That's why it can happen. So to me, it's up to the company. It's just kind of like a storyline company decision. To, to me, these wrestlers are trained to work safely with each other no matter what, how they look, what their size, whether they're man versus female, or female versus female, or man versus man. Onwards, Aaron... This is our good friend Aaron at Aaron underscore PWP. I'm okay with intergender contact in wrestling when it's done well. This was very well done. Love or hate Naya. Very good point there. And um, like you said, he doesn't want to see it all the time, but he liked that it was sparsely done and he thought just the way it was done was perfect. At Dr. KZVOSKY66, the women continue to be the highlight of most pay-per-views. Nia entering the Rumble was incredible. I wish WWE had the nerve to go all the way and allow her to win it all, though. That would have been interesting. and uh, he's... To me, that would have been an intriguing main event. Like, if she took on Brock, how cool would that be? <laughs> Brock would never allow it to happen, no, I'm sure, but no. that would be so much fun. <laughs> but the women are... Uh are getting more notoriety, and we'll, we'll see down the road whether Ronda and Becky is the main main event of WrestleMania. At Wrestling Biz responded, I think it was groundbreaking enough to appear in two Royal Rumble matches in one night. And uh, another one from at Dr. KZVOSKY66, responding back, absolutely amazing, no doubt enough, nothing will be... Enough until a woman holds a traditional men's belt over her head. That's what I want to see. That's interesting, and that would be really cool to see, I have to admit. I just don't see it happening. In yeah. w- There's no way. Well, it happened with China had the Intercontinental belt at some point. Uh, I think he's talking about like a world title. Right, belt. I think so. I think so. Uh, so the, the Royal Rumble, thanks for all those great comments. we got some more right here. Uh, but uh, Seth Rollins did end up winning the Men's Royal Rumble, beating Braun Strowman by curb stomping him onto the apron, and it's still up in the air who Seth Rollins will face at the Royal Rumble, as we saw on Raw the next night. Like I said, the build for the Ronda-Becky thing is way more intact, and people are really wanting that to be the main event of Mania, and I could see that. Now, we talked about the Women's Rumble, but we didn't talk about how a few minutes before the ending was decided, and we knew that Becky was going to be the sole winner, I thought it was a possibility that we could see Charlotte and Becky's feet both touch the ground at the same time, like they've done in men's Royal Rumbles before in the past. And like they've done this, you know, twice before. 
And that would have been cool because it would have set up a triple threat. Lots of people are coming out of the woodwork saying there's no way they want a triple threat with Charlotte versus Becky versus Ronda. They just want Becky versus Ronda because the story's there. I am on the opposite side of most people, and I would love to see a triple threat. Um, Bully Ray actually tweeted, because he's got some great points. He obviously keeps up with the product, right. even though he's in Ring of Honor. Right. He was tweeting all about it because he does do a podcast. He said that there's no, no reason for it to be a triple threat for the main event of Mania. There's great story with Ronda and Becky. But he also did a follow-up tweet where he said, but if any woman deserves to be in the first women's main event at Mania, Charlotte does deserve that if she were to be added in. And it would be a great triple threat. They could make it work. Although people do want to see Becky kind of get the highlight. I think Charlotte does deserve to be included. If it was officially the main event, that would, I think, warrant her to be included. If it's just going to be like a prominent match but not the main event, I'm fine with it being a singles match. But to me, Charlotte is like such a big part of the division. I think she deserves to be in there if it's the main event. Well, and you've got legitimate heat among all three of them too. Becky versus Charlotte, Becky versus Ronda, Charlotte versus Ronda had the great match at Survivor Series. So I think a triple threat totally would work. Anything is possible. Just be, We don't have anything set in stone yet. Exactly. It could still happen. And actually, it's been reported by even people like Wrestling Inc. that Charlotte could very well be added. Like, it's a, a big probability, actually, they well, tweeted out. Well, they had Charlotte and Becky square off again at the beginning of SmackDown, so... Maybe we can hold out hope for that. We'll see. But you know what? I know we might have angered people when we were talking about how much we would love to see that because the sentiment I'm seeing mostly on Twitter is that no. Everyone's been asking, do you want it to be a triple threat? People keep saying no, 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 no. Tons of tons of comments, hundreds of comments saying no. Let it be. Let it be a singles between Ronda and Becky. So if we just angered you guys, we're sorry (laughs) about it. Hopefully you still love us. Hopefully you still respect our opinions because like I said, we respect different opinions. Hopefully you guys do because to me... It's always okay to agree to disagree. That's what makes wrestling talk fun and interesting. If we all agreed, how boring would that be? Speaking of opinions, Kelsey said, I know everyone is used to my WWE negativity, but no one can accuse me of being completely biased. I can actually be impartial. Can you? Really? I can. (laughs) I've been this week. I'm really excited about WWE, which is something very rare, but it does happen because, again, I am unbiased, guys. Unbiased. (laughs) She goes on to say that pay-per-view may have been... My favorite WWE show over the last few years, some really good wrestling matches, decent booking, storytelling as well. And so people weighed in after you posted that. And here are some of the comments about the Royal Rumble at Chibi Halloween. This was my first WWE pay-per-view since last year's Mania, and I wasn't bored or mad. Sure, I picked Ali or Almas as the winner, but I'm okay with the outcome. That Nia Jax three-finisher spot was sweet as well. Yeah, Chibs, you're totally right on that. I I really liked your take. And again, she's somebody who's usually harsh on WWE like me. So to see her be so positive, that just tells you how much of a good show it actually was. Then our good friend Anthony, you check out his uh, podcast at Smart to Death. He is at at Anthony Sutter S2D. He agreed with me and he said, yeah, the show was really good. Another agreement from our good friend at CJ Goodspeed. I agree, glad I decided to watch. Then our great friend Josh at McGeeky Designs. Men's Rumble, meh. Women's Rumble, good. Unlike most of the internet, I enjoyed the Nia Jax bit. Guarantee you she's fighting a man at WrestleMania. Interesting take, I'd love to see that. Becky versus Ronda is the best storyline they have had in ages. Rollins versus Brock has my interest. 
Tag division is a joke. As we talked about earlier, run, Revival, run! <laughs> uh, let's continue. At MJ Hart, I've never given a WWE pay-per-view a higher grade than a B-plus. Royal Rumble gets an A-minus. The only thing I didn't like was Lesnar. I'm so sick of him. Well, who knows? You, you might see the end of him at the Royal Rumble or uh, WrestleMania. Maybe so. Uh, at Backstage Slam, the women dominated this event, elevated it, dare I say. At Gino Morgan 513, yeah, Royal Rumble 2019 was pretty good. Even the pre-show matches were good. At JCD 0613, won't lie, this is a pleasant surprise. At Deej Kirkby, I enjoyed both Rumbles. I, the women's kind of struggled to find itself until the final third, which I actually agree with. Then really got interesting. The men's kept a really good pace and was booked really well. As for the aftermath, we're getting the matches most people wanted for Mania, so no complaints. He's right. I mean, things are shaping up to be interesting this season. Last year, I feel like, you know, what could happen at Mania was really up in the air. Like, you remember that whole weird thing with Undertaker? And yeah. This, just, this year seems to be a lot more thought out, and I, I like that in the build this year. At Real FN Game... So far, Rumble was great, and how they handled the winners is great. Now we shall see if the streak continues. Mr. Dose 2, I really wanted a good swerve, but the right people won. Things are moving forward properly after the first week. Hopefully the SmackDown main events work out well. There are still questions to be answered there. At Brian Koval, I think it was fine. The only match that disappointed me was Styles versus Brian, but I had high hopes. The direction is the best it's been in four months. Heck, I'd say the direction's the best it's been in years. I, 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 yeah. I would agree. I, they certainly are emphasizing the wrestling a little more and, and, and hopefully getting away from some of the goofy stuff. We'll see. I'm not saying it's all due to AEW, but maybe they're like, we've got to show our wrestlers we're going to be a good product that they want to stick around and be a part of the company and a part of what we're doing here. So I'm not saying it's because of that, but who knows? Maybe that has a part in all of this stuff that we're seeing. At Saints Fan 51797J, Rumble was a B grade for me. Good show in the direction for WWE. Could go anywhere. We never know with this company. Could be good. Could be disastrous. LOL. Well, meanwhile, some didn't completely love the pay-per-view, and, and they weighed in as well. Our friend, good guy Dave, at Dave Pazewski. Wow, really, I'm surprised, Kelsey, reacting to your response about liking the pay-per-view. But relieved to hear you say that. It wasn't a bad show, to be honest. I'm far more down on the show than you are. There are parts of the show I didn't like and are bugging me, but it was a great show, though. And then you asked Dave what he didn't like, and he said, the ending to the Rusev match, the tag team match, the unfortunate placement of Brian and AJ crowd was dead because they were tired no major huge surprises during the men's rumble no ko wyatt nada uh the nia spot because while intergender wrestling is fine not like that he says i disagree with the nia spot i thought it was well done i really i really do think it was i don't know how could it have been done better i don't even know but dave what a good point about no ko um, yeah. I'm sure he's still kind of recovering because didn't he have like double knee surgery? I don't think he's come back since then, right? Right. So yeah, he's still recovering. Wyatt, I guess he's got to be out for some major reason. That is odd that they weren't involved, but it was a jam-packed rumble. The only spot that you could say could have been given to somebody else is the Jarrett spot, mm -hmm. really. But to me, they made that fun little bit out of it, so I think right. it worked and was worth it because, I don't know, it was the one nostalgia factor that you really had in there. And although... 
I like that they're focusing more on new guys. I like that they had one little nostalgic moment. I'm, I'm okay with one versus, like, three or four. That's why I think it was the perfect amount. But I understand your feelings, Dave. Thanks for weighing in. Then we've got another person who was kind of down on the show. At MSPENC21, I felt like it lacked in so many areas. There wasn't one amazing moment. The end of Styles versus Brian, you could have heard a pin drop when it happened. Baylor versus Lesnar was just okay. The men's rumble was boring and predictable. The women's was okay, but not greatly booked. The whole show was meh. But then he goes on to say, because I told him it was okay to have differences of opinion, and I respected his opinions. He says, I love your takes, Kelsey, and you're doing a fantastic job. It's certainly okay to disagree. That's part of fandom. Whether it's wrestling, sports, or anything, I'm glad you're more positive than I am. Keep it up. So I love that. Even somebody who's kind of negative on the show, he can even see that it's okay to agree to disagree. And I love that our philosophy is shared by others and is actually being embraced by some people we talk to. So the Royal Rumble ends, but the storylines continue into Raw and SmackDown as they start building towards the Elimination Chamber. Some spots put in for those women's tag team matches. So that was interesting. I thought the interaction between Triple H and Dean Ambrose was interesting at the beginning of the show. And then the face-off between Nia Jax and Dean Ambrose as Nia Jax came to the ring. I thought that was interesting. Seth Rollins was supposed to make a decision who he was going to face, Daniel Bryan or Brock Lesnar. Instead, he got F5'd five times from Brock Lesnar, or maybe even six, I think. So that was interesting. But the there's one thing that people are talking about more than anything else about Monday Night Raw. Yeah, they're talking about that Ronda Rousey promo where she was addressing the crowd. The crowd was booing her insanely. And she kind of stumbled with her words for a second. She even called it out and said, okay, okay, you got me to stumble. And then she kept going. And then she had a match against Bailey, and people said that her match was awkward, and Bailey carried her through it, and then Becky had that awesome confrontation, and people were cheering Becky. It's easy to be awesome when you're getting cheered, <laughs> by the way. But people are like, kind of spouting on social media saying, like, Ronda's worst promo, she wasn't prepared to handle the crowd reaction like that. They didn't prepare her to go out there and face all these boos and negative reactions. You actually have a different take than everybody else. Well, I didn't... First of all, I was surprised everybody thought it was so bad because I even wrote down, as I was watching it, that I was actually kind of impressed the way Ronda handled it because the booing was insanely loud. And look, nobody has accused Ronda of being the rock on the mic. She's been doing this a little under a year. I don't, I don't, I don't understand how people expect that she's going to be flawless on the mic. You know, I, I've been in broadcasting for 25 years, and if that started with people booing at me, I would have been flustered too. I thought she handled it okay, and I thought with the confrontation with Becky, I thought she really shined because Becky came out and confronted Rousey and was great. But I thought Ronda stood her ground and actually was really good. Again, it's easy to be great when the crowd is behind you. And I think she's kind of playing to the crowd a little too much. You know, posing for the cheers, you know. I, I don't like it. To me, like, just be a heel, whatever. Be, be this bad last you're supposed to be. Um, but, yes, she was great on the mic. But, yeah, Ronda, with the booze raining down, with the cheers for Becky in the ring at the same time, she was like, I could kill you with my bare hands. The only thing stopping me is my own decision not to. Right. To me, like, that was such a great statement. Like, that's awesome, and it's true. I, I don't know. I, I thought that that was 
really hard to do going toe-to-toe with Becky. Obviously, Becky has the up-on-the-mic skills. She's been doing it longer. She actually went through NXT class where she got schooled on how to do the mic. She's been wrestling, like, most of her life. Ronda has not been in front of the media that long because when she was in UFC, she didn't really like to talk that much, and she didn't do it that often. So, to me, she's holding her own with the limited amount of stuff she's been able to have experience doing. So, to me, her stutter is forgivable because it's hard. It's hard. And it really wasn't that egregious to me anyway. And let me point out that your observations about that were basically decided and formed before I told you about the other people's opinions. No, I watched the show. So you had no idea that everybody hated it. I asked you about that part. And said, what do you think about it? You're like, oh, I didn't think it was that bad. I was like, really? Because everyone else thinks it's terrible. <laughs> yeah. So you formed your own opinion before you even knew what other people were thinking. I just want to point that out, that it was a totally unbiased opinion oh, by yeah. Paul. Yeah. It was his own observation. No, as I watched it, I thought I thought she handled it pretty well because it was it was overwhelming, the booing. And it, and it just ramped up. And once they made her stumble a little and she called attention to it, then they really got going with the booing. So, I, again, I... I'm in the minority, I guess, but I, I didn't think it was all that bad. I've seen far worse promos, and, and, not, and not just by her. <laughs> oh, and speaking of being in the mi- minority, I know I'm in the minority, not being the hugest Becky Lynch fan. If you guys are, like, that's great. All the more power to you. Like, we've talked about all show. It's okay to disagree. It's okay to have favorites, too. I'm also in the minority of really loving Ronda Rousey because, to me, what she's done is so impressive. doesn't have that much experience being a wrestler, but every singles match she's been put in, she's thrived and done well, and she's delivered what she was asked to deliver, and sometimes even beyond that. Like, let's go back to the Royal Rumble for one second. That Sasha Banks match was my favorite match on the card with her and Sasha Banks. So, to me, I'm really impressed by Ronda, and I know people are so in love with Becky, but I can't even fathom why they boo Ronda so much. Can't you like both? <laughs> I mean, I do want them to turn Ronda heel because I think she'll just be better as like a an awesome hardcore heel and it'll be like the crowd will be booing her and it'll be warranted because she'll be a heel because they want to cheer Becky anyway. Right. So let that happen organically anyway. Whatever. Turn, turn her heel. Come on. I just think why boo her? Especially when she's not even in the same ring as Becky. They were booing her when she just came out by herself. I just don't understand it. She's amazing. I love what she's been doing. I, I did find a tweet that Gail Kim put out. It was interesting when people were asking, why so much hate for Rhonda? And Gail Kim, I'm paraphrasing, I don't have it exactly in front of me, said, I think people are angry that she kind of jumped ahead without you know putting in the work to be the champion. But at the same time, she credited her on how good she's been and that she's been good for the company and, in turn, been good for all the other ladies on the roster. And, and, and I kind of agree with that. I agree with that, but it's hard for me to use that excuse to be angry at her because it's like somebody criticizing David Arquette right now. David Arquette has gone through training. Yes, he's a name. He People should not be punished for being a popular name and that name being so high in value that it, they're placed high up on the card. Now, I will say, you can't criticize David Arquette because he's not being put in title matches like Ronda is, so it is a little different, the two different situations. Um, and people still hate that he was put in the title picture back in WCW. They still resent that. And even he says it was probably the wrong decision. But how can you fault Ronda? She loves wrestling. She's put in the work to train to become a wrestler. And if you love the business... How can you fault the wrestler for being put in the position by the company? They're 
they're using her name power, and rightfully so. Right. She's a great draw. Think of all the things she's done for the other woman in the division by raising up the division by her name value alone, by bringing more eyes who would have never tuned into WWE because of her name. They've tuned in. So to me, I can understand people being mad, but also look what she's done for the company. Even if you don't think she deserves it in terms of wrestling ability and uh, paying her, quote, dues, as everyone likes to say in wrestling, I think she deserves it in terms of what she's contributed with her name alone. And, like, she is an athlete. Yeah, she hasn't put in the years of work with wrestling, but she has with being an athlete. Oh, and she's very good in the ring. That's the thing. It's not like she's bumbling around in the ring. She's, she's really good. She's not Lacey Evans, so, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, so. Or anybody else who just got thrown in and is bad. Right. She's really good. And, like, that Sasha match, like I said, that was my favorite match of the Rumble, minus the actual Rumble matches. That right. was my favorite singles. So... I don't know. I just can't understand the hate. But if you guys aren't a big fan of her, I totally respect your opinion, like right. I've been saying. Quickly, we mentioned Dean Ambrose, and then the news comes out that Dean Ambrose uh, is requesting uh, that he be let go after his contract is up. Yeah, and the weird thing is WWE confirms it. So now there's all this speculation. Is this a work? Like, you know, is this going to become a storyline? Because WWE doesn't usually talk about people's contracts so openly. They basically tweeted it out. He's decided not to renew with us. We appreciate everything he's done. Um, thank you for everything. You know, that kind of thing. That was odd, but I think it's real because I just, I can't see why that they would publicly tweet this and then all of a sudden it's not really going to happen. I don't know, but if it is true, I'm hoping he goes straight to AEW. <laughs> Heck yeah, would that be awesome. Now, I will say he's not my favorite in ring, which is kind of funny because he actually was one of my first current favorites when I first got into wrestling five or so years ago, six years. I had a lot of old school favorites because I, I watched older wrestling first, but when I started watching current WWE, Dean Ambrose was one of my first faves. And it's funny now, it feels like ages ago, it feels like I learned so much since then because he's actually one of my least favorite in ring now, but his character work... I've always loved, especially when he's kind of like the more crazy, hardcore, weird psycho Dean. And I think that's what he wants to get back to when he was more John Moxley. And an interesting tweet I want to kind of call attention to, when Pac first went on the indies, or when it was announced he might be leaving WWE, Osprey, another great high flyer, tweeted out, give me Pac. Jimmy Havoc, in that same vein, tweeted out recently, give me Moxley. So he wants to have a, a match against Moxley, because Moxley a.k.a. Dean Ambrose, was known for doing really hardcore matches, as is Jimmy Havoc. So seeing them meet would be great. Well, there were other couple interesting tweets from outside WWE because uh, Ambrose supposedly didn't like some of the hokey stuff, and Joey Ryan said, well, if he doesn't like hokey stuff, imagine when I'm his first match <laughs> in the independent scene. And then uh, Sammy Callahan tweeted out, isn't that guy from Ohio? Maybe oh, implying yeah. that he could uh, be part of Ohio versus everything. I'm glad you mentioned that. That I would love to see. Come on, Sammy Callahan and Dean Ambrose on the same side. Yeah, that'd be really cool. <laughs> so plenty of good speculation on what will be next for Dean Ambrose and uh, lots of speculation going forward to the Royal Rumble. But it's about time to close out the show and send them home. What do you got, Kels? that Matt Riddle should have some freaking merch, man. Because, so he comes out for his match against Ono, and I thought I saw him wearing a specific shirt that said bro on it or something. I look on the WWE shop, which, by the way, I haven't bought from for, like, over a year. 
I've been kind of almost like subtly protesting it because I wasn't going to give my money to WWE if they weren't putting out stuff that I enjoyed, which they haven't been until recently. But now, since I've been so happy with everything, and Matt Riddle's one of my favorites ever, I actually went to the shop and I was like, I want a Matt Riddle shirt. I should have bought one a long time ago, so I'm kind of late to this anyway. Nothing. I couldn't find it. I've searched for Matt, I've searched for Bro, i searched for Matt Riddle, i searched for Riddle. Nothing comes up anywhere. So he better get a shirt soon, I hope, because I think he could really sell some. And I hope it's something that's not just, like, you know, his name. I hope it's just, like, Bro and it's colorful <laughs> and just like him. I didn't even get to talk about how much I loved his match. I love his posing in the middle of the ring. I've always loved that. And I don't know. He's going to go far in NXT. I'm excited to see where he's going to go. But um, I even looked at his old website, which is discontinued. So he doesn't have it there. And he doesn't have it at ProWrestlingTees.com. Because I was like, maybe his Pro Wrestling Tees shop is still open. Nope. Nothing. Nada. Anywhere. So please come on, guys. Come up with some Riddle merch that I could buy. And hopefully it's not a, a shot of... Uh... Cassius Ono biting on his toes. <laughs> yeah, that shouldn't be on the shirt, because I don't even want to see that on my shirt. <laughs> I'm going to close out the show with a thought about SmackDown, the one WWE show we didn't talk about. Uh, they announced the Elimination Chamber match, and all the guys that are going to be in that Elimination Chamber match were in the ring, but I want to focus on my guy, Samoa Joe, who kills it on the mic again, <laughs> insulting all the guys in the ring, but again targeting Jeff Hardy and his personal history telling him to shut up like he's at his AA meeting and someone else in the group is talking. Yeah, when I heard that, I was like, oh! <laughs> like, that was the gr- like, to me, that was really great. Is it too far, though? That's no. the question. See, I don't think so either. I know I've heard some backlash that, oh, that's too personal. But I, I thought I saw, and I'd have to go back and watch it, I kind of thought Jeff Hardy had like a wry little smirk about it. Like, actually, it was a good dig, so... It was a good dig, and I'm sure Hardy doesn't, like, resent it personally. But hopefully, Samoa Joe, I've been saying it forever, you even said... I tweeted recently, man, give this guy a belt already! <laughs> Come on, like, that, that that promo was, like, lit. I don't even say that phrase, okay, <laughs> yeah. ever. But, like, yeah. what else can you like, say Like, I to think that's the it? first time I've ever heard you use that phrase. What else can you say? He's on fire on the mic. He's literally a great wrestler, but, like, even more important, like I said, one of the best talkers ever, especially right now in WWE. Give the man a belt! Yeah, I know I feel like I say it every week, but uh, the guy deserves a belt. The guy's one of the best on the roster. And maybe he wins Elimination Chamber and gets to a main event WrestleMania, which would be pretty awesome as well uh, from the SmackDown division. I wish. (laughs) We will see, and we will see you next week when we are going to talk all about New Japan. Uh, Some big shows coming up there. More AEW talk, as you mentioned. Very in-depth. Like I said, keep tuned to at SuperKickingIt and also at TwoFacedPod to weigh in on that AEW conversation. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Make sure you check out our uh, poll which will ask you what you're going to do at halftime of the Super Bowl. Uh, that's coming up on our site as well. But great show, and great great to be with you once again, Kels. Yep, thanks for all of your time listening to us or watching us if you're checking us out on YouTube. We always appreciate it because we know your time is valuable. But that's it for us and our time. <laughs> that's the finish.